You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit IlliniLife.org. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm going to start with a tough question here, so uh, put on your thinking cap. Uh, Did Jesus uh, rise from the dead, or did he arise from the dead. This, this is something that stumped me many Easter's. You say he rose from the dead or did he, did he, uh, he arose from the dead? Okay. Obviously we have no grammar snarks in here. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's just get that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> The, because to rise means to move up in a, in a uh, uh, vertical direction. To arise means to start something new, like get out of bed in the morning, or in this case, arise from the dead. And so he did both. There, let me just put that at ease in case <laughs> he did both. Yeah, spoiler alert. I mean, you already knew that. Those of you that went over to the Knowles last night and saw the movie Risen knew. You know, the punchline is that Jesus rose, and uh, thank you for coming this morning because this is, this is the most fun I have in my life, and you'll see in a while, and that's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, the, uh, <clears throat> Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried, and on the third day raised according to the scriptures. So this is the most important thing there is. This is the most important thing to talk about. This is, this is the most important thing uh, that's ever happened to me. Uh, the, uh, and of course, all, all the famous preachers have all had something to say about the resurrection. Uh, I like Timothy Keller, what he said, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. That's kind of the trilemma, right? Was he a lord? Was he liar or lunatic? And it hinges on whether he rose from the dead. And then um, everyone's favorite uh, professor, C.S. Lewis, to preach Christianity meant to the apostles, primarily to preach the resurrection. The resurrection is the central theme in every Christian sermon reported in the Acts. The resurrection and its consequences were the gospel or good news which the Christians brought. So uh, I'm just going to give you right now uh, the... uh, We're not going to spend this whole time talking about proofs of the resurrection. That's a great topic. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you right now what I believe is the most convincing proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, and that is what happened afterwards. Uh, I'm going to, in a minute, uh, <clears throat> Maddie's going to put something on the screen here. It's going to be the historical record of what happened to the men that Jesus <laughs> commissioned to take the gospel to the world. And if you, uh, it's pretty gory. And I'm going to read a quote while it's up there. Feel free to avert your eyes and not read all that happened because it's, it's gruesome. It's cruel. Uh, none of them had a happy ending. John was the only one who survived uh, till he was 100. And that was so he could write the book of Revelation. So if you, if you don't want to read the gruesome facts about what happened to the rest of the men, feel free to close your eyes while I read this quote. Otherwise, you were warned. Here's a quote from Chuck Colson. Uh, Just out of curiosity, anybody know who Chuck Colson is? A few people, yeah. So President Nixon, does that ring a bell? Yeah, so, so, you know, he was uh, was impeached because uh, some of his men uh, broke into the Democratic headquarters and stole some stuff. It was called Watergate. And uh, Colson was a meanie. He, he orchestrated this. He went to prison for it and became a Christian. And this is what he says about the resurrection. Chuck Colson says, I know the resurrection is a fact, 
And Watergate, that's the incident that he was thrown in prison for, proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. <laughs> then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. <clears throat> they would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. The testimony of these men proves that Jesus indeed rose from the dead. It's the only way to explain the birth of the church through the persecution and the suffering that these men endured. So, <clears throat> all right, so I'm going to leave the, the, the proofs of the resurrection for another message. I want to talk about <clears throat> what the resurrection means to us and in history, because the resurrection of Jesus Christ checks the three big boxes in God's story for people. The first is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. When he, when he drove the money changers out of the temple and they asked, <clears throat> they, they remembered that it was prophesied that the Messiah would do this. And so they challenged him and they said, well, what, what proof do you show us seeing that you do these things? And he says, well, you destroy this body. Actually, he said, you'll destroy this temple and in three days, I'll raise it up. And they were confused like they always were and said, well, it took 46 years to build the temple. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. And after he was raised, it says they got it. He, <clears throat> so his resurrection was the great proof that he is God. He is the Messiah. The second big box that was checked is that death is not the end and our sin has been vanquished. It says in Romans 4, the last verse in the chapter, it says, he was delivered up for our transgressions. It was our sin. It was my sin that held him on the cross. He was delivered up for our transgressions, but he rose because of our justification. He could not have, Jesus Christ could not have risen from the dead if, if any of my sin was still unpaid. So the fact that he walked out of the tomb alive proves that my sins have been forgiven. That's why he said, because I live, you shall live also. So it checked that box. Sin is done and death is not the end. And the third box it checked is that he can come back now because he's alive. I love what the angel said when Jesus ascended. And they, 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 they spoke to the men who were watching him, you know, go up, you know, standing with their mouths open. And, and they said, so what, what are you looking at? <laughs> Why do you stand gazing into the sky? And he said, they said, this same Jesus is going to come in just the way you saw him leave. And the prophets said that Messiah's feet would touch down on the Mount of Olives. So now that can happen because he's alive and waiting to come back. So those are the, those are the three big impacts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, I'd love to get into those in depth. Every one of those is like its own message. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to put my contact information up on the screen here because if I say anything today that like triggers you or like what, where, where did that come from? Where did he get that? Or you want to dig into this anymore? Then uh, I'm JD Norcross at LinkedIn. Uh, <clears throat> I am uh I'm J.D. Norcross at Gmail, and that's my phone number. So if you want to pull your phone out and plug that in, because I've already said something that sounds fishy, then <laughs> please feel free to do that and text me, because I would love to follow up with you on any of these, any of these items. Uh, <clears throat> so um, today... Uh, I'm celebrating uh, my 50th Easter. I became a Christian in 1971 as a freshman at the University of Kansas. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I got my degree from U of I to make up for it, though. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> and this is my 
This is my 45th Easter message, uh, and it's brand new. It's not one of the uh, previous 44. Uh, the, uh, if you should have gotten a piece of paper when you came in. Uh, it's, got, it's got some things on there that we'll talk about. But really, the reason I gave this to you, and you can fold it in half and then stick it in your Bible, because this to go through this, is, uh, it's an hour message. I know because I gave it in 2016 and I haven't, they haven't let me speak for the last five years. <laughs> it, took, it took an hour. We actually acted out all of those scenes having to do with Resurrection Sunday. So this is how I know this meeting will end on time today uh, because I have a clock right here and I don't want to wait five more years to uh, preach on Easter Sunday. But we actually acted out, walked through those scenes, and the reason for doing that was to show that the Bible makes sense. Because you'll, you'll find, as, you know, I don't know if when we read through this week in our small groups, the resurrection, uh, the accounts of people learning about the resurrection, did that just all fall into place immediately? no. It's very, it's very confusing because there were five reporters of the resurrection. Uh, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. And they all had a particular message that they were driving in their account. And so they, they picked the events to support that message. And so that's another topic that I'm not going to dive into, but it's really interesting to see why each one of those picked what they did to talk about. And that's why it's confusing to us, because it's, it's succinct, but it's hard to put all the pieces together. But we acted them out in this room following those nine scenes, and you can see it comes together. So uh, let me just leave that to the reader uh, as uh, <clears throat> extra credit. Uh, to read through that and and trace on the map, uh, there is a map, and uh, the uh, underneath that on that sheet, uh, it has the the man's name in the book, the Easter Enigma, which is uh, uh, <clears throat> derives a lot of the research that went into locating the various places in Jerusalem and tracking the people. So. What I want to what I want to do now, uh, I want to think about what we're going to do here because it's uh, this is not this is not your typical Easter message. Uh, this is uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the appearances of Jesus Christ on the day that He rose from the dead on Sunday. And uh, the purpose of this, well, let me ask, there's, uh, does anybody know this face? Anybody know that face? I knew, <laughs> I knew Dave Boswick would shake his head. So uh, I'm going to use Dave as an example right now. Uh, so who knows who this is? Yes, Clyde Staple uh, Lewis, right, C.S. Lewis. And, uh, and so, so Dave, uh, I'm just going to say he can deny it, but he's an expert. He's, he's, uh, he studied this man and, uh, and a lot of people have, and you could, you could read his works. You could read his biography. You could <clears throat> be in discussions about him. You might be able to you might even be able to think, what would C.S. Lewis do? But you cannot have a relationship with C.S. Lewis. Why is that? He's dead. He's dead. But you know, sadly, many people have a relationship with Jesus Christ like Dave has with C.S. Lewis. They know what he said. They've read his biography. They thought about what would Jesus do? But Jesus is living. It's another ball game. It's a whole different thing. 
And what I want to talk about today is the difference between a relationship with the living Jesus Christ and a relationship with C.S. Lewis or Jesus Christ or anybody else that's no longer alive. Because when I came to know Christ in a, in a living way, it changed my life. And he, is, he has been with me through, through these 50 years, through, through 43 years living single, 26 years being married, 23 years as a dad. Jesus, I've had a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's, it's why I got out of bed in this, this morning and why I'm here. And the goal of this time, the next 28 minutes, is, is to think through with you how you can have a, a relationship with the living person of Jesus Christ. And the way, the way we're going to approach this is we're going to, we're going to think about how did Jesus reveal himself after he rose from the dead? Because these were the people that had a relationship with Jesus Christ when he was walking the earth. And they maintained a relationship with Jesus Christ after he rose. So, have you ever, so let me ask you, have you ever had like a big thing that you needed to announce or wanted to announce and you were, you were nervous about how it might go? I call it the big reveal. Have you ever had one of those things? Have you ever been in a relationship? <laughs> That's one of those things, isn't it? Have you ever gotten engaged to be married? Well, that's one of those things. Has, have you ever found out that you're pregnant or your wife is pregnant? I remember the big reveals that I'm assuming, you know, I was one of the first to know <laughs> about Valerie, <laughs> J.D., uh, Amanda, and Timothy. So, uh, have you ever had one of those things, like a big reveal, and you, and you wondered, how is this going to go? This is, you know, uh, a lot of us have heard Rod's story about sharing with his parents that he'd come to know Jesus Christ. That was a big reveal. So, uh, we have those, and then, and then we do that as deliberately as we can, don't we? Yeah, who do, who do you think of? Who do you think of when you think, okay, I've got this, I've got this news. I, I want to reveal this. Maybe, uh, maybe it's hard news. Maybe it's about an illness. Maybe it's about something that's happened to a friend. So who do you talk to? Who do you reveal to? The man on the street? No, it's going to probably be your family and friends, isn't it? And, uh, and that's just what Jesus did. Interestingly, we'll look at the people that he, he revealed to and we'll see their response. But the thing I want you to think about with me is that, is that this, is, this is Jesus. <laughs> he could have done whatever he wanted. He could have done whatever he wanted. We think about that with the, with the uh, announcement of his birth. I mean, he could, have, he could have done anything he wanted to announce that. And who did he announce it to? Shepherds in the field. We scratch our head every, every Christmas like, okay, these guys totally, you know, they were the lucky ones. He chose to reveal it to, to shepherds who would go in and see the, see the child. So... Think of it this way, Jesus, this didn't just happen to Jesus. He deliberately chose five instances on Resurrection Day. And these were the people that he wanted to hear it from him. It spread from there. 500 saw him at one time. The word got out. But these were the people that Jesus deliberately wanted to be the first to know. These were the ones that Jesus wanted himself to communicate this with them. That makes this very special. 
I think it makes it very instructive, especially since he didn't, <clears throat> he didn't print it up and pass it out. He, he dealt with each one of these individuals and groups very differently. He dealt with them very differently, and it was very intentional. So these are the five that we're going to look at. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's hard. What I, what I just said, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around that because, because what we're going to look at, it involves what I call the bigness and the smallness of God. The bigness and the smallness of God. And it's hard to hold on to both things at the same time. He's big. Heaven in the highest heaven cannot contain him. There is no place where he does not exist. There's no power that he does not have. There's no wisdom that he does not have. But who does he dwell with, it says in Isaiah, with the humble, contrite of heart to revive the spirit of the broken? He's small. He intentionally dealt with each of these people in a personal way. It's hard for us to hold on to both those things, right? We, we've, we don't see how big God is, so we don't think he can solve our problem. But then we see, well, he's really big, so he wouldn't care about my problem. See, it's hard to hold on to both those things. He is big enough to do it, but he's also small enough to actually care about it. And, and so here he is. He's just conquered death. <laughs> he, he has just proclaimed himself the Messiah. Step two is sit on the throne of dominion forever. And he approaches these people like they're the only ones in the world. And he deals with them very, very personally. And <clears throat> I believe he wants to deal with us personally today. And that's why we're looking at this. So here are the five the five uh, accounts that we're going to look at. And the, these are the five. This is the five that he chose on resurrection day. So uh, first was Mary Magdalene. So this is Mary Magdalene. Uh, I don't know if you remember her. Uh, she in Luke eight, Mary Magdalene shows up. Uh, she's referred to a couple times as the woman from whom seven spirits were dr uh, driven out. So she was, uh, she was a woman that Jesus rescued from a very serious fate of demon possession. And so she had been a follower of Jesus. In Luke 8, I don't know if you picture Jesus and his followers. It's like he's going down the road and there's these, you know, there's a dozen or so, you know, grisly guys, you know, falling him, dusty clouds of dust. Well, no. There was, a, there was a parade of women with them also. And in Luke 8, it describes that. And one of those women was Mary Magdalene. And did you ever wonder how, how the disciples made it when they were out following Jesus? Like, did they just starve? You know, did they, I mean, obviously they weren't like working regular jobs. They'd go back and fish every now and then. Luke 8 says that these women were contributing to the disciples' support out of their private means. So Mary Magdalene, out of her own money, had supported Jesus and the disciples while they were doing their ministry. <clears throat> so she's the one. She's the one that we'll look at her uh, specifically. <clears throat> okay, Mary, wife of Clopas. All right, the other Mary. So we kind of skipped over the slide that went through the people. But uh, so let me let me review some of that here. So this is the other Mary. So she's married to Clopas or Cleopas. It says in some translations in Luke twenty four. Who was that? That was Jesus's stepfather Joseph's brother. So Mary, the other Mary, she's referred to was actually Jesus' step-aunt, so to speak. And Salome. So who was Salome? Salome was Jesus' mother Mary's sister. So Salome was Jesus' aunt. 
So we'll see that Jesus meets and greets his, his two aunts, his, his real aunt on his mother's side and his step aunt on his father's side. Uh, three, Clopas and companion, who some say might have been Luke, uh, because it's recorded in his gospel. Uh, and then Peter alone, and then he appears to the apostles in the upper room uh, with Clopas and whoever it was that had been with him on the road. So let's look at Mary Magdalene. And let she is she's the star of uh, Resurrection Sunday. She gets to be the first one to know that Jesus is alive. Because up till then, they had seen the empty tomb, but they thought someone might have taken the body. Even, even as Mary was standing, let's read the account. Mary Magdalene, early Sunday morning, John 20. Already there had been others at the tomb. They had left, and Mary was standing there weeping. She stayed by the tomb when the other disciples ran back to tell that it was empty. Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. So as she wept, she stooped. She stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Mary was the only one who got called by name. It's hard for me to, uh, you have to apologize. I have to apologize and, uh, because, uh, because of how intense this moment was. <clears throat> because she didn't know he was alive. <clears throat> and, he, and he revealed himself to her. He revealed himself to her. And she, what did she do? She hugged him. He had to tell her to stop. And then he, <clears throat> he proceeded to give her a piece of theology that books have been written about and seminary classes have been taken and that is that because of Jesus Christ, we have the same relationship with the Father that he does, which is amazing itself and is the source of many sermons. But what he told her was no small fact, that his relationship with the Father she has and all the brethren. Think about that, how deep that is. And that's what he revealed to Mary in just a few words. That's what this is all about, he says, that you can have the relationship with my father that I have. <clears throat> you know, uh, there are books written, too, about why she didn't recognize him. <laughs> it was dark. <laughs> and, uh, you know, who would be up during that time of the day? The gardener. So, you know, <clears throat> there may be some deep hidden meaning there uh, if you if you like to uh, raise plants Maybe you find some encouragement <laughs> there. Uh, Jesus resurrected, resembled a gardener. So uh, how, did, how did he reach her? How did he reach her? I would say he spoke to her heart. He reached her heart, didn't she? Didn't he? Because that's what she came with. Because uh, he had rescued 
her life. Okay, let's go on and let's look at uh, the next instance, which is uh, with the, with the two aunts, <laughs> with uh, with Joseph's uh, wife and with uh, Mary's sister uh, Salome. And this is a this is a short one. Matthew twenty eight. Uh, It says they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to the disciples. Behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. Love to know what he said. (laughs) Like, hey, I'm alive. You know, it would be so fun. Chose not, Holy Spirit chose not to put that in there. They came up, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. So they recognized him. Uh, He was close enough that they could reach him. That's something that you notice in all of these instances, Jesus got close to them before he announced. Uh, he could have written it in the, written it in the clouds. They, they could have seen him a long ways off, but he winds up getting close to people before he reveals himself. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. So these These were uh, reliable women is what I would say. You know, if they, if he wants to get his, if he wants to get the men together, uh, then tell these two ladies. And uh, so uh, that's it. That's short. Uh, And they just, they went off. They worshiped him and then, all right, they got their assignment and they took off. So I, I, I think of this as kind of, uh, Jesus was using them to organize. <laughs> These were the organizers of uh, his ascension. Uh, three, the third time then was with uh, Clopas or Cleopas that uh, some translations and his companion on the road to Emmaus. And uh, this is, this is interesting. I'm not going to read the whole thing. This is, uh, you know, they were on that day. They were traveling to Emmaus about seven miles away and somebody they didn't recognize came up behind them and, and asked them, how's it going? What are you guys talking about? And they said, wait, you don't know what's been going on here. And so and then they, they, they say, yeah, there's this Jesus. And, and some, some women have told us, some have reported that that he's risen. And then, so let's jump in uh, in verse 25, where he says, he said to them, foolish men, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. So that was their problem. They didn't even recognize Jesus, but they had, they had, they had known the truth about him from scripture, but they had, uh, they were slow of heart, it says, to believe it. I'm going to get a tissue here. They were slow of heart to, to believe it. So watch what happens next, because their problem had been that they were slow of heart. So how did he deal with that? How did he deal with that? It says, <clears throat> In verse 26, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and endure his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going. And so then then it gets kind of strange, too, because he acts like he's going to keep going. But then they say, well, why don't you stay with us for lunch? And so they invited him back. And he stayed with them, and when he broke bread, it says their eyes were opened. Their eye, they connected. Oh, Jesus broke bread. Oh, this guy really knows the scriptures. <laughs> it's Jesus. So how did Jesus reveal to them? He came in as a stranger because they were their hearts were slow to believe what was written about him. This is really interesting because we'll see some that saw Jesus didn't believe in him. They knew he rose, but they didn't believe in him. 
And Jesus told the story of the rich man and the poor man. And the, the poor man had, had gone to paradise and the rich man was suffering and he wanted to send somebody back to warn his brothers. And, and Jesus, Jesus said, hey, they have the scriptures. And, and, the, and the rich man said, well, no, no, no. If somebody goes from, you know, if somebody rises from the dead, <laughs> then they'll believe. And Jesus said, well, no, actually, if they have the scriptures and they don't believe, they wouldn't even believe if someone rose from the dead. That's an interesting story in light of how Jesus approached these men because he didn't announce that he was risen. He didn't announce that. He didn't say, I'm, I'm Jesus. <laughs> he, he reminded them of the scriptures. He re- that's, that's his approach. I would say he approached them through their mind. Even though their heart was, their heart was hard, they had been slow of heart. They had been called fools by Jesus himself, and their hearts were slow. He started off with them by reminding them of the scripture. He approached them through their mind. You see that? And so, so that's, that's the position and the frame of mind they were in when they saw him break the bread. And some of the animations and depictions of this show Jesus, you know, at the midday meal, you know, raising the bread and breaking it like he did in the, uh, <clears throat> in the last supper, which could be Hollywood, but they it, somehow, somehow their eyes were open and they saw him. <clears throat> All right, let's, let's look at the next one because this is really, this is really touching. Also, uh, some of these are hard for me to get through. So, uh, the the fourth appearance was to Peter. And and on the screen you see all we know about it. All we know about it. <laughs> there's there's one verse, Luke says, the Lord's really risen, appeared to Simon. And then Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, when he's recounting all of the appearances of Jesus, he mentions Cephas. He appeared to Cephas. So that's all we have. And, you know, I don't know what I'm going to say next. uh, This is just my own. This is a maybe could have been. But, you know, Jesus said, what what do you do when your brother sins against you? You go to him in private. And you make it right. And that... (laughs) And as far, as far as we know, that's what Jesus did with Peter. Because Peter was the, I'll die with you guy, right? <laughs> I'll die with you. And he did not. <laughs> you know, he, he, uh, he <clears throat> denied him out of fear of a servant girl three times. <clears throat> and he was the rock. <clears throat> so if you've ever denied the Lord, you know, you're in good company. But Jesus went to him, went to him in private and got that right. He got that worked out. And we don't even know what it was because Jesus, because Peter dealt with it, didn't he? Peter came back from this. So you'll see different commentary about how Jesus restores Peter or he does whatever. We don't know what it was, just that he appeared to him. I wish I could have been there for that. And maybe today... You're Peter, and when I talk about Jesus being alive, you think, yeah, but, you know, Jesus came to Peter, and Jesus wants to come to you and say, hey, I checked that box. Your sins dealt with and restore you. Okay, the last one is really interesting, too, and honestly, this is the one I relate to the most. This is the apostles in the upper room. Uh, so first Clopas, you know, uh, joins them and, and talks about how the, their, their hearts were burning on the road while they had this mystery teacher explaining to them the things from the scriptures. They find out it was Jesus later. <clears throat> and so in verse 36, it says, while they were still telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. He said, and why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet. It's I myself. 
touch me and see for spirit does not have flesh and bones bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement. He said to them, have anything to eat? So then he ate fish right there. Let's look at the account of this in John then. John accounts the same thing, but brings out some different details. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. I don't know what was going through their minds at that moment, but here's a man who had just been crucified. (laughs) Here's a man who had just been crucified. God sent him to the planet to be crucified. And now he's telling these men, and guess what? I'm sending you out. So when he had said this, so so the next thing, the next thing is really significant in light of that, in light of what it meant to be sent by a man who had just been crucified with the same mission. As the Father has sent me, I send, so send I you. When Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he gave them the same power that he had in that moment. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Whoa. So now these guys have the authority to proclaim forgiveness of sins. All right. So how did he reveal himself to these guys? It's different than before. What are the things unique about this? He spoke to their mission, didn't he? He spoke to their mission and the power and the authority that they were going to have to carry it out. And that's what drove these men. And that's how he revealed himself to them. He revealed himself to them as their their captain, as their commander, as as their chief, as their head, as the one who was going to enable them to carry this out for the rest of their lives. So which of these do you relate to today? Do you relate to Mary? Do you need God to come alongside you and and speak your name? Do you need to hear him say your name? Do you need to know that he knows that you have seven demons, that you have deep struggles, deep, deep struggles that he wants to heal. Do you need to hear that? Do you need need him to explain the scriptures and show you how it all makes sense? This is airtight. This has been predicted. Do you need to see how he fulfilled that? Do you, need, do you need to hear him send you? I became a Christian because I, was, I had no purpose. You know, I, God rescued me not from drugs or immorality, all those things I was into, but that wasn't my big hang-up. My big hang-up was I had no purpose for my life. And Jesus came to me like he came to these men. He came to me with a purpose. And that's how he shows up in my life. And that's how I know he's alive. Because 50 years later, I still have that purpose. He got me up with it this morning. He gives me strength. He gives me the authority that I need. That's how he reveals himself to me, risen from the dead. So let let me just conclude here. 
with, <clears throat> with how, how do we experience the risen Christ? These are the ways that he wants to come to us. These are the ways that he wants to come to us and, and announce that he has risen. Maybe, he, maybe it's to your heart. You need to hear Jesus. You need to give him silence so that he can tell you that he knows your name. He knows your struggles. Maybe, maybe it's, you, need, you need to pay attention to scripture. You need to see the arguments. You need to see the case there is for following Christ. And maybe you need direction for your life. And he wants to come with that. Well, then how do you get that? Because there's a curious thing when you look at the resurrection appearances of Jesus, not everyone believed. So how can that be? (laughs) How can you be standing in front of someone and not believe? Well, it's because there's two kinds of belief at work here. And believing that Jesus rose from the dead is not the same as believing in the Jesus who rose from the dead. I believe that C.S. Lewis was a great writer. (laughs) And uh, I appreciate him as that. But I don't believe in C.S. Lewis to save me. I don't believe in C.S. Lewis to give me strength for my day. I don't believe in C.S. Lewis to love me when I feel unloved. I don't believe in C.S. Lewis to explain the hard issues of my life. I believe in Jesus for that. There's a difference between knowing and trusting. That's what I'm saying. And everyone that knew that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead did not trust him as the risen Christ. <clears throat> the <clears throat> Thomas, Thomas was one, and uh, Jesus said an interesting thing to Thomas. Uh, I'm not going to spend any time on this because I think Alan's going to uh, dive into this next week, and I don't want to steal his thunder there, but it's the word of God, so there'll be some thunder left over. Uh, <laughs> Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord, my God, Jesus said to him, because you've seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Well, who's that? It's me. <laughs> I've not seen him, but obviously Jesus expects some kind of thing out of me who's never seen him that's equivalent to whatever Thomas had who touched him. So, <clears throat> That's the power of faith, and that's, uh, that's what I'm going to leave you with here. This is uh, from, from Peter himself, the man who was restored by Jesus, got to see him day one of the resurrection. And so this is just one sentence, actually. Uh, it's, it's a lot on your screen, but uh, Greek can do this, so hang in with me. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's a good thing for us to think about it today. While we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead means we have living hope. I'm not hoping in a dead person. I'm hoping in a live person who said, because I live, you shall live also to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. On my worst day, I still have this. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot send my way out of this. I can be miserable, but this is going to happen because it's imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for me, who are protected by the power of God through faith, through faith, It's through trusting, not just knowing he rose, but trusting him to be my savior for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, underline a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith, the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Okay, now's where it gets personal. And though you have not seen him, you love him. Because I heard him call my name (laughs) in my desperation. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him. I don't just believe he rose. History proves that. I believe that he's my savior. I believe that he was on the cross for me. I believe that because he lives, I will live. Believe in him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So I'm going to pray here in a minute. And as I do, uh, I want you to pray along with me and respond to whatever Jesus is saying to you right now, because I believe he wants to reveal himself to you risen from the dead. I've seen him do it over and over. I know he wants to do it. I know he's... I know he's speaking right here because we looked at these verses together and we know he's alive and we know he's the same Jesus that, that approached these people in their, in their need in the way they needed to be approached. And they opened up, they opened their heart and they trusted in him and they, they had a living relationship with him that continued after he disappeared from sight. And those of us who've never gotten to see him yet, we will see him come in that same way. But we can have that same relationship with the living Jesus that these people did because he wants to reveal himself to us and to you individually. He's big. He, he died for everyone. He's small. He died for you. Let's pray.